Al. Yes. A few weeks ago, we discussed the the fun of the of virtue being your final reward, <laughs> your last reward. Yep. But now we've got a, another problem. You might say we have a dilemma. A little bit of one. And uh, the thing is, we don't have enough time to talk about it. Mm-mm. We have zero time. Zero time. <laughs> How are we going to solve this? By being a grumpy Junpei. We're going to seek a way out. Nice. Or just seek. <laughs> seek. <laughs> I don't know why we both did that. Seek. And that's it. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Season Life Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Hello, I am Jared, joined as always by Doc Owl and Lady Um. Um, hello. Um. This is episode 140. Moly. The 140. We're double over the hill now. Dang. Look I mean, at us double, go. Like almost quadruple yeah we're we're getting up there i'm getting up there uh so like so we talked about virtues last reward very briefly um a few weeks back on the pod Mm -hmm. um and we just played through zero time dilemma again Mm -hmm. so we're gonna talk about it and we talked about it briefly on a podcast really early in the in the Uh, game like we talked about uh in the when when we discussed vlr uh, we did a Zero Escape retrospective episode, which was very early, like episode, what's like six? six? Not six. It's like 16. 16? Are you looking it up? Yes. My search bar is doing a little spinny thing. 16. See, I was right. I just okay, saw it. Okay, 16. Okay, cool. So we I had knew it had a six in it. it. Um, but again, that was... 124 episodes ago right and also we just thought it would be interesting to like come back to it after being away from this game for a while and like having played the other ones relatively recently like all right how would how have our opinions either stayed the same or changed or what do we think about this game like we have some thoughts totally um so yeah also we learned that you can very much break this game if you were playing it on new game plus and you know stuff yep 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 you can which i'm assuming is the case for things like you know vlr where where it has like these passwords you have to enter and if you're you don't have them you're locked out but if you do have these passwords you very much sequence break the game in a way that it is it's like you are you you do not understand no like you are getting things way out of context like there was definitely parts where it's like the game because it's essentially the game never checks it to see if like you have completed the specific tasks or specific route that you would like have the said password. Yes, like there's no prerequisite check for when you're entering these codes in. So like if you if you just know the code offhand or you look it up, you can easily just go com- continue on. Because the game's not like, oh, well, you have to have this route done or this route done in order to do this. It doesn't just, like, lock you out if you don't have those. It's just like, do you have it or not? You do? Cool. Here's the next part. <laughs> so we, we eventually got it to a point where we had the end of the game ready for us and we had not finished everything yet. Yep. It was it was kind of a mess. It was hilarious because, like, we basically had the end of the game open without even learning what shifting really was. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was like, oh boy. 
So you can very much sequence break this game, which obviously is not the intended way to play the game, but no, it no. is a very fun way to do it if you want to just like see how ridiculous you can make the game and just how far you can go with with the game just like not not holding you back in the slightest. <laughs> it was hilarious. Like there were still some times that we would run into like a, a wall and we're like, oh man, I wonder when that'll unlock and then we would go elsewhere and end up getting like way more story than we should have and it's like oh now it, that lock's open <laughs> like there, there was there was a specific thing we would we had been looking for um that we had basically seen reference in other routes we had seen basically kind of confirmed in other routes but we just hadn't seen yet and we didn't literally see it until the very end of the game yep which was very surprising in that route um but yeah there's just a lot of weird a lot of weird things you can do with the with this game on a, on a faux new game plus because it really isn't a new game plus per it's se. It's just that we knew what we were talking about. Yeah, we were just we went through a guide going through the puzzles and everything, and that has all the passwords and everything ready to go for you. So there's no just like waiting around. It's just let's just break through this game as fast as we can because <laughs> that sounds fun. It was hilarious. It was so. So like you mentioned, we have we have discussed this game a little bit in the past. Um, I wrote a review about this game mm-hmm. on our fancy website at sac.cool. I think uh, I had it as one of my games of the year. Let me see if I can find your 2016. Haha, 2016 games of the year. There's a sloth <laughs> that just has, oh, it's a deal with it, sloth. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like me. Uh, it's of course an owl game of the year list because she has seven games. Seven games. Why such a strange number? Why not ten? Why not five? The answer? This is my list and I came up with seven. It's a very owl answer. Yep, sounds right. That sounds <laughs> very right. In- Very interesting on this uh, game of the year list after what we talked about last week. Uh, Fire Emblem Fates, the, the fifth best game of 2016 according to Al. <laughs> Higher than Shantae, Half Genie Hero, and Odin Sphere. I would change that now. Oh, Mystic Messenger. That was a thing. And we still have to talk about that eventually. Yeah. Uh, the number two game of 2016 for Al, Zero Time Dilemma. All right, so it did make it. Can I can I read you what you said here? I don't know if it's going to discuss spoilers or not, but... Uh... Okay, kind of does. Uh, but I can omit some stuff. Here's what Al had to say about Zero Time Dilemma. I will straight up tell you that this is the worst game of the Zero Escape series. I stand by that statement. The story is a bit weaker with some strange plot holes from the other games being left unfilled. That being said, it is a phenomenal game and a great addition to the trilogy. Zero Escape is one of the favorite is one of my favorite game series as it invokes the visual novel style of fascinating characters, plot, and fun puzzles. While Dilemma dropped the visual novel style for a fully acted and voiced method, it still works extremely well in its favor. The game doesn't pull its punches with shock value, and there were several moments of playing where I was truly horrified by events occurring in the game. There are three teams in the game. As someone who has been with the series since the, the very beginning, you like this team because it had these folks in it. And then there's <laughs> these other folks. Yada, yada, yada. While the build-up and various endings are fascinating to get, the ultimate true ending falls pretty flat, which is disappointing. We've, we're left with a lot of questions, a lot of confusions, and a lot of really, really great memes. I, have to, I, I, I know I'm clicking this link that you put in here and I know exactly what it's going to be, but I have to know if it's exactly what it's going to be. Is it, it going to be that? Yeah, of course it is. Is it? It is. Is it? Is it? Is it? Yes. Okay. It is. 
good. Despite, despite the ending, I can't forget the journey that got me there, and that aspect of the game is wonderfully done. Also, Jufei has given up. Oops, sorry. Spoiler. He has given up his job as a guy who showered once to become a model, <laughs> as seen here. It's good. Uh, of course, your 2016 game, your Tokyo Mirage Sessions, because, of course. As it should be. As you would expect. Uh, for me, I went in a different direction. Uh, my twenty In my game of the year list for 2016, I had it as a number 10. 10? Number 10, which, of course, like, 2016 was a pretty stacked year. Yeah. Like, ahead of it is uh, the first Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, uh, Pokemon Moon, Firewatch, Doom, Doom. Hitman, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Phoenix Wright, Spirit of Justice, uh, Overwatch, and then Stardew Valley. Honestly, like, if I had played Doom, then it would have made this list. Oh, yeah, probably. Like, there, there's definitely some stuff in here that, like, now, looking back, I'm like, I would, there's some changes I would have done for this list. Yeah, there are definitely some changes I would have done to this list. But, like, regardless. Go away. Uh, place of time. I will, I'll, I'll read what I wrote in my game of the year list. I'm not going to re- read you my full review, because that would take a while, and I just don't want to go back and read old writing. <laughs> uh, number 10, Zero Time Dilemma, 2016 Game of the Year list. Uh, it helped that I played through all the Zero Escape series this year, but while Zero Time Dilemma is the worst of the trilogy, it is st- it is still a very solid outing that attempts to wrap up all of the game's stories. The same puzzle action the series is known for is still here. It's a lot of still. Or I, I guess I didn't write still a lot. I just feel like I did. Albeit perhaps easier as I was able to get through most of them without a lot of problems. Key point. Zero Time Dilemma also boldly dishes the visual novel style to go more cinematic, which actually works to the game's benefit rather than hinders it. The ending is not the best, but 95% of the writing and character interactions are great, and for some of the characters, there are happy endings. For others, there are just complex motives. (laughs) Uh, Let's let's, let's go back to my my review, and I'm going to read the last graph of it. Because I wrote literally five paragraphs about this that's a tiny short review uh let's see here let me just make sure there's nothing spoilery in this final paragraph i mean i've already spoiled something i mean technically but he's i mean like super duper spoilers yeah uh often when games are brought back from the brink of cancellation the end result is less than ideal which we'll we'll talk about that here in a bit while still having some technical and overall story issues zero time dilemma brings an emotionally packed experience filled with mind-boggling puzzles it's kind of counterintuitive to what I just said, but all right. It is. <laughs> it is a game that could not have seen the light or light of day, or have. It is a game that could have never seen the light of day, or been a horrible train wreck. But it was released and succeeded in more ways than one. It will be sad to see the Zero Escape series come to an end. Perhaps we are one step closer to what Danganronpa writer director Kazutaka Kodaka prom- proposed: a project working together with Zero Escape writer director Kotaro Ujikoshi, which is a thing that it has happened now, where both happened. of them are literally working in the studio together now. Yep. Uh, for fans of the first two games, oh, why did I end with that? That's oh god, Which they will feel it. For fans of the first two games, this is the literally the beginning of this last sentence. Oh. Like it's the bad for fans of the genre, you'll like this. Ugh. They will feel at home with zero time to limit and be able to finally achieve some resolutions for their favorite characters. Some of them. Some of them, it's true. Depends on who your favorite is. It's, yeah. Okay. That is fair. So zero time dilemma. Yeah, so, um, God, I just really want to watch that video now. (laughs) When don't you? Okay, fair. I mean, honestly, like, we really should just post that video up when we do this. Um, I'll put it in the description. Because 
it is legitimately one of my favorite videos of all time and i go and watch it whenever i'm having a really really bad day because it's so funny and i can't like even if i'm having the worst day i've ever had i will laugh when i watch it it's really dumb it's really in great. the best ways it's so good um, um anyway um i i agree with a lot of what you said and i still stand by a lot of what i said yes um wow it's crazy how things change though this is probably the the worst game in the series which which isn't like a bad thing like it's still like this doesn't make it thing make it seem like oh this is a terrible game it's just you know compared to 999 and virtue's last reward it is the lower of those two. Maybe we should say it's the weakest as opposed to the worst. True. I think that's the probably the proper way to say it. It is the weakest of the three, but it's still, on, in its own right, like, it is, it's bold and how they basically just completely deviate from the visual novel style that the first two games had um, and go in a completely separate direction in that way. Um, and I think, like, they, you know wrapping up a, a series like this with a lot of different characters can be quite challenging and making sure like all of those characters get like their their just desserts get the the proper send-off that they need and also just how weird and um timeline shenanigans this entire series has become by the time you get to zero time dilemma like wrapping all of that up in a nutshell can also be quite difficult which which i think despite the fact that like it is the weakest game of the three like they do a pretty good job of making sure like mostly everything gets wrapped up with a with a good bow and everything on it um of course like we talked about there are a few things that will get just kind of brushed to the side there's going to be characters that are brushed to the side but i think you kind of in a way have to expect that kind of thing yeah i agree i mean otherwise like for one, this game was not going to get made. So, like, yes, you know. I feel like that's a good segue into talking about that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read from the Wikipedia page about this latest title, Development. Because, uh, yeah, this, this game was on the brink of never happening. Um, Zero Time Dilemma was developed by Chime and directed and written by Katoro Uchikushi, with music directed by or composed by Shinji Hosoe. Ujikoshi first mentioned details of a third Zero Escape game in 2012, stating that it would be the last entry in the series. In June 2013, he had said that he had finished playing the story, but that development had not yet begun. In February 2014, it was announced that the project was put on hold indefinitely in response to the series' poor commercial reception in Japan. Um, so this kind of becomes like an interesting thing where, you know, the, the poor sales in Japan were a big a big push of why like they the like spike tunesoft didn't want to bring it back but as we're about to see like you know and as we've already seen like the game is out and everything so something obviously changed but there are ways to change the minds of executives usually has to do with money yes uh uchikoshi examined the possibility of financing the development through the use of crowdfunding on a website like kickstarter because back around that time frame that would have been the the hip thing to do yep uh but felt that the idea would not be persuasive enough for it to meet the goal he also sought out sought out opportunities with executives and investors the series fandom created operation bluebird an online campaign to raise awareness of the series and support the game's development in response to its hiatus when when delivering the pitch for the game uchikoshi opened with a fan made vocal fan made vocal rendition of the series theme song morphogenetic sorrow he considered this a major point in getting the project approved 
At the 2015 Anime Expo in July, Access Games announced that the development of the third game had been resumed, citing the high demand and awareness for the game as key factors for its reevaluation. Which is like, like, like you said, like two, like a year and a half prior to this, this game was dead. It was super dead. And literally, it was fan outcry and support that literally brought it back from the dead and got it, got the series finished. Which can sometimes be a good thing, like like I think we see here, but mm-hmm. also at times can be a detriment yeah. to a series and also just like just flat out not work. Like fans can be super vocal and supportive about wanting a series to come back and it just, for whatever reason, just doesn't work. And I don't think this one has that problem. Like there are some things that I would change or have addressed, but at the same time, like I think mm-hmm. overall it's still a good video game totally uh for the music uchikoshi wrote down directions about the music and concept of, or the mood and concept of the game describing it as sad and lonely like a worn out record and dark and visceral hasoe described the music as generally less melodic because they cannot make the music hit on cue like in film they decided during the planning stages to include silence in the soundtrack so hasoe created atmospheric tracks to be used as, as background noise which is an interesting uh, idea there hmm because the 999 characters Junpei and Akane and the VLR characters Sigma and Phi appear in the game, Uchikoshi decided to have arrangements of songs from those two games that are included in the soundtracks. They're he also so had good. The, yeah, they are. He also had the songs Digital Root and Trepidation, which had been used in both previous games, be included as he saw them as sort of theme songs that tie the games together as a series, similarly to the Imperial March from the Star Wars films. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Hasoe received a list of what songs to, were to be rearranged and how they were to be used within the game and was asked to compose a total of 45 songs. He did, however, end up composing nearly 70 songs, ensuring that they had something that fit every situation in the game. For the ending theme, Hosoe incorporated several callbacks to songs from the previous games as a sent-off for the series, leading into morphogenetic sorrow. Uh, two puzzle creators were listed with designing the, the escape room scenarios. Uchikoshi described one of them as creating orthodox puzzles and the other one as creating unique and out-of-the-box type of puzzles. He gave them a rough idea of what he wanted each puzzle to convey and how he wanted them to resolve. The puzzle designers would come up with a draft and he would finalize it together with them. Uh, do you want to... I think the design is actually something interesting in this game, specifically because like we've talked about, the way they break away from the traditional visual novel style and setting to go with a more cinematic approach where everything is literally... It's, it's literally all cutscenes. Yeah, I think we is, should definitely talk about which that. Which is a very bold, uh, a bold choice for a series like this to make. Um, and I'm sure people hated it then or will hate it now, but like, it was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. they make some interesting choices in terms of like blood, but, uh, um, just to be forewarned, there might be spoilers in this. So in case, just in case that that's a warning, yes. uh, the game was originally planned to be developed simultaneously with the previous Zero Escape game, Vir- Virtue's Last Reward, with the two games being paired as a set, and with Virtue's Last Reward having a cliffhanger ending. With Zero Time Dilemma, Ujikoshi intended to resolve all mysteries left from the previous game, as well as all introduced in the third, while also attempting to make this story enjoyable for first-time players. This was used as a basic framework to, to write the story within. In addition to figuring out how to explain the mysteries while avoiding contradictions with VLR, they added side stories to the narrative to give it a little extra punch. They also took the time travel ability some characters in VLR have into consideration as it opened up up for more narrative possibilities. 
Uchikoshi worked with two other writers, and the three helped each other come up with ideas and figure out the best ways to make the story work. When coming up with the story, he knew from the start he wanted Sigma, Phi, and Diana to be one team and Akane on another. This left open slots, open slots in the teams, which were filled with other characters as story development progressed. The script took one year to write. While Uchikoshi had already had an idea for the setting and events of Zero Time Dilemma when writing VLR, the game's structure changed when the time came to implement it. One reason was that the characters take on a life of their own and make their own decisions. Something we uh, we just watched recently kind of came up with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he writes from their point of view and that characters might pull the story in different directions than he had originally planned, most of the time he would let the story go where the characters want to go rather than forcing it to follow his original plans, leading to changes in story and structure. The budget partly dictated the game's setting in an enclosed space as it required few art assets to, assets to develop. The game's main theme is mortality. Or, wait, no, more morality. That's, morality. That's the there you go. And it is the game in the series with the largest focus on philosophy. Uchikoshi intends to have the players... Is it? <laughs> eh, that's debatable. Uchikoshi intends to have the players' way of thinking, values, and virtues shaken in- intensely when they play the game. The dilemma in the game's title reflects this, as the game asks the player whether choices they make are the right thing to do. Another main theme is identity and how people try to figure out who they are. This came from Uchikoshi's personal struggles with, with identity issues. He said that he is always thinking about who he is and that he might have he might have had a multifaceted personality. His characters like him deal with this issue. Among other major themes are are multiple probability histories with the player being able to move between different equally probable histories depending on the choices they have made and the big effects small coincidences can have, which was reflected in the use of randomizing events. The idea to include randomization came from how Uchikoshi wanted to spoiler-proof the game and felt that FAQ websites that tell people how to beat the game make playthroughs uninteresting. (laughs) He had always been fascinated by the concept of coincidences and how actions done in the past lead up to where we are today, so he did a lot of research and reading on the topic to prepare to write to prepare writing the story. The theme of no absolute good or evil came from Buddhist literature Uchikoshi had read, particularly the Zen Buddhist idea of Shiki Soku Zeku, which he described as matter is void and form is emptiness. Because of this idea, Uchikoshi tried to give each character their own sense of personal justice that they believe to be true, resulting in characters with different philosophies who play off each other. While, play, or blah, while previous Zero Escape titles tell their narratives through visual novel segments, Zero Time to Learn replaces them with cinema scenes intended to feel familiar for Western players and emulate the feel of a big-budget American TV show. To further this effect, the option to turn off these subtitles was included. Due to this more cinematic approach, Uchikoshi was able to make use of his experience with writing the anime series Punchline. The inspirations for the, char- for the change in format were, tel- for, were Telltale Games' adventure series The Walking Dead and Level 5's adventure game Time Travelers. Huh. Uchi- Uchikoshi said that this would make for a lower barrier of entry for people not necessarily interested in visual novels, and that mass appeal is important to Spike Chunsoft as a Japanese audience is not, ne- is, not, is not enough for the production of adventure games. The non-linear and episodic nature of games chapters was done to appeal to more casual players and people new to the series, as they can un- uncover the story at their own pace without being railroaded into doing one storyline from start to finish. The use of fragments added some challenge to writing the story. Uchikoshi had to be careful when planning the progression of the story, as changes to one fragment would also affect the fragments surrounding it. When breaking the story into fragments, he considered that what would be the most entertaining for players. In response to feedback from players, Zero Time Dilemma was intended to be more suspenseful than VLR. Uchikoshi and the game's producer decided that as ZTD is the final Zero Escape game, they should no longer hold back and, and instead do what they have always wanted to do. Because of the life and death theme, they felt that there would be less, less of an impact if they had held back and they had instead and that they instead should make the violence of the game extreme to make the player's choices hit home. According to Uchikoshi, the development team wanted the player to feel worried and that the game would be done would be done as he wants it without any changes done for the sake of age ratings. They had originally considered aiming for a 0D uh, rating, which is the Japanese rating 
system of 17 ages 17 years older but decided to aim for a z age rating instead which is the highest age rating in japan which i think is the equivalent of the adults only rating as they felt they could not get the visual and emotional impact they wanted with a d rating despite this zero ended up assigning the game a d rating like you tried but no so yeah like, i think there's a lot of interesting things to break down from that especially like like we talked about the the change in the change in style from visual novel to cinema which i think ujikoshi is right in the sense that like creating this game with more of a cinematic appeal to it like it definitely breaks it down from like being like oh it's one of those weird japanese games mm-hmm. it's one of those weird types of storytelling games like if you see this and you see this as a bunch of cutscenes like a lot of more western players are going to be more familiar to that and be like oh well, that's just how games are that's a, yeah. that's a game that's how these things work <laughs> so like i think that's a like i know obviously it's a it's good a, point it's a controversial uh change in, in style and everything but like it's something that makes a ton of sense especially because you know with the development history this game has already had like you want to be able to make this a, like make this a game that appeals to so many different players and mm-hmm. and if they had stuck with the visual novel style i don't think they would have had that same kind of inroad to a bunch of different players as they as they do with this yeah i would agree with you on that that like they they made a good decision financially but also like they made a good decision artistically and what they were trying to win mm-hmm. um like they knew what was at stake basically is a good way to word it right i think i have like another thing that like kind of does hinder that a bit is that it is the third game in a larger series so mm-hmm. like onboarding uh new players to that can be kind of difficult but you know if you're gonna if you're gonna try and appeal to the widest audience imaginable globally like this is this is the way to do it and and i think the idea that like this is inspired by like stuff like the walking dead which blew up and the adventure game scene and basically kind of revitalized the adventure game scene especially in north america mm-hmm. and then kind of worldwide as well like that makes a ton of sense it really does um i also think um like i mentioned earlier there is just like and, and he talks about it and that that the violence has been amped up like there is an insane amount of blood in this game, and it reminds me a lot of, um, like, Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. How it's just, like, over-the-top amounts of blood, even though, like, you know that's not physically possible. Um, it, it almost reminds me of, like, Grindhouse cinema. Yeah, yeah, that that's totally what I'm thinking. Is It's, mm-hmm. like, a Grindhouse-type thing, that it's just, like... That is more blood than even could be held in that person's body spurting out right now. Because, <laughs> like, because 999 and Virtuous Last Reward definitely have their fair share of violence in them and bloodshed and everything. Mm-hmm. But this takes it to just the extreme. Yeah. Where, like, this is a... Uh, there are scenes in here that are just flat-out extreme gore. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is definitely, like, if you are coming to this and you've, you've played the first two and you haven't played this, like... There are definitely scenes that are meant to very much shock you and um, are upsetting in, in various types of ways, which is like the ways they go with their violence and everything. Like it is definitely something that you are not going to be well prepared for, I think, mm-hmm. which I think is probably, you know, what they're going for because they want this to make this they want to make this seem a lot more just 
impactful and like you know make your choices seem all that more meaningful and everything but yeah it's it's definitely they took the the violence and gore meter and just amped it up all the way to 11 i was just about to say this one goes 11 because <laughs> there were, i i had definitely remembered like some aspects of this from playing it you know three years ago but like when yeah. we replayed it now like there was definitely some parts i was like oh boy this is yeah. rough yeah, and like I, I was reading where you read through my review and I read through it as well um, while you were reading it. And I said like there were definitely moments that were upsetting for me and that's still still the case even though I knew they were going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus, there are some moments in here that I'm like, oof, like, wow. Look, let's, let's be quite frank and real. There are moments in this game that are absolutely f***ed up. Oh yeah, super super f***ed up like insanely i don't think i'll ever get over like them incorporating the like body parts in that one puzzle yeah that 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 yeah like that's insane and it's horrific like once you understand what's going on you're like oh 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 no oh mm-hmm. oh no 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 Especially because the whole time they're like, oh, yeah, look at this, like, model. Like, it, it lures you into this false sense of security that, like, oh, this is just, this is a fake mannequin or something that some, that got messed up or something. But mm, nope. No, no, no. No. It goes there. It was so upsetting. Like, the whole thing about, like, oh, the fist is clenched. Well, let's put it in the microwave and the hand will open. Let's use this hand. It's like. there's like a part where like you definitely see some like headless corpses you definitely see those like multiple times yeah um you see like piles of goo of people Mm -hmm. like it makes sense that they wanted to they were just like we're gonna go for it in terms of violence and then like if we get like the the highest age rating like that's just the way it is yeah like they uh they went for it yeah they really did and like you gotta commend them for that. Like, yeah. they went. They're like, you know what? We're just gonna commit to this 100. percent Let's go. But I think like the the idea that this is very much like grindhouse levels of violence kind of makes sense because it reminds me in a way of like um, I think the only like kind of grindhouse esque movie I ever watched was Hobo with a Shotgun, mm-hmm. and that is a movie that is is just violence amped up to the highest levels that it can be and just kind of in ridiculous ways at times but also just like it just goes for it and i think this game kind of has the same uh mentality when it comes to its violence definitely a lot of times you're gonna see you're gonna see characters in this game just covered in blood yep um, even if like the scene does not call for that much blood, they're covered in it. Sometimes it co- it kind of comes off a little cheesy, but yeah. Yeah, like, oh man, can you imagine if somebody in this game got like a paper cut? Oh no, a paper cut. And then like everybody in the room is just covered with blood. <laughs> That's how it would go. Oh, uh, uh, well, let's talk about the game game. Let's talk about the game game. Um, we're going to get into some spoilers here, of course, because that's just the nature of the beast. Um, so, again, if you have not played it or, or intending to play it, this is the time to... Uh, Peace out. Hit the shifter and reverse and back out. 
Oh my god. While you still have the chance to cuz uh this is a uh, this is the warning and we're going to we're going to talk about the end of this game, end of the series as a whole, I guess just to say. Mm-hmm. So uh let's let's dive into this. Um So if we were talking about where this game is on a timeline of the Zero Escape series. This is the this is the final game in the series, mm-hmm. but technically it's the second game in the timeline. Correct. Because of the weirdness that Virtue's Last Reward uh, <laughs> puts forward. Yep. Um, so they make mention in VLR about a like a, a a a model Mars mission that they were reenacting on Earth um, mm-hmm. in at one point in Nevada. This takes place during that. Yep. Um, so, so like that was they kept showing like the the map of like the timelines and they're like this is where you're going this Mars experiment and um, like it just kept coming up and then that that's really like the end of VLR they're like that's where you're going have fun mm-hmm. bye guys and now we're here basically whatever happens here is one there is a history here that takes you out of the 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 bad stuff that leads to VLR essentially. So, you get a uh, a cast of familiar faces and new faces for mm-hmm. Zero Time Dilemma, of a bunch of folks trapped in the Nevada Decom Center. Uh, they are held hostage by a man named Zero. I know, very shocking. Who is surprised? Uh, and they are split into three teams. He looks like a plague doctor this time. He does look like a plague doctor. Uh, you have C Team, which is uh captained by carlos he's a firefighter he's very american very american i love that there's a scene with him like standing in front of an american flag at one point it's really good uh accompanying him is akane mm-hmm. and junpei making his return from vlr 99 akane making her return as well from vlr 999 but uh more in the way that you would remember them from 999 kind of uh but akane is a little bit more Hardened Junpei is just brooding like a. M- <laughs> he is not he's a done. happy boy. He's so grumpy and but like, also he's seen some. He has seen some. Um, so yeah, you have Q Team, which has a young boy who doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Eric, who's a f- boy. Oh God, he's such a f- boy. And Mira, who just has her hammer hammers out. She Which, is the she is the token Hammer Hammer character. You always have the the big booby character, um, which I guess it should be said that Eric and Mira are dating. Um, and Eric I'm, I'm is doing um, scare quotes. Yeah, well, and Eric is an ice cream shop attendant. He yeah. sells ice cream for a living. Yeah. Um. Anyway. And then finally, there is. Oh wait, wait, wait! No, we have to talk about the fact that Eric is wearing a corduroy onesie. Oh god, yeah, he's wearing. It looks like he's wearing a corduroy onesie with a shirt over it. It's it's a bad look, it's but bad everything look. about Eric is bad. It's true, everything about Eric he's, is bad. He's a trash human. Continue on. Uh, finally, there is the D team, and of course, if you have the D team, you got to have the D. The D. And by of course that I mean Diana. <laughs> Diana's a nurse who uh, wound up in the decom facility. She is joined by returning characters from Virtue's Last Reward, Phi, 
and Sigma. The actual D of the team. The actual D of the team. Uh, so Sig Phi and Sigma have returned. They are they are coming from Virtue's Last Reward into this immediately from immediately from, um, and they have they have infiltrated the decom unit with the help of Akane to try and stop the spread of Radical Six and get them to the timeline that they mention in Virtue's Last Reward. Sigma is his older self in his twenty two year old body. Correct. He is beefy. He is beefy. Um, he has his like tongues hanging out of his shoes, which is hilarious. But he also just has like dad style going on. He does. He's like running around in his white jeans and his polo. Vi just grabs some glasses. And her hair is somehow like less dyed. It's messier. It's messier. Um, she has a cute outfit though. I love mm -hmm. her outfit in this one. And then there's Gab, the mastermind. Gab! God, he's I love a, he's Gab. He's a doggo. Gab is the best doggo. Um, and we were talking about it, and I think you, like, questioned your friendship with me for a point. Um, because they have Gab, like, go and communicate between the, the crews, and how they do it is they usually just, like, throw cheese. And I was like, you I know what? I forgot where you were going with this, and I was like, what? And then now, yeah. I was like, I'd do that for cheese. I would crawl in some vents and deliver some messages if somebody was throwing cheese at them. God, there, there's some really good good goofs when they when they do these opening like bits where they have to throw the cheese for Gab. Um <laughs> like Akane saying or not Akane, Junpei saying like you could throw in some other things and make him a hot dog. Um the the banter with Sigma and Phi. Yep. <laughs> where like he, Sigma's just like Phi, go, go into that gate and she's like, I can't, I have D's. And Sigma and me is like, no you don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> God, the Sigma Phi banter in this game is just top notch. Top notch. Super good because they've known each other for a bit now and like mm -hmm. they've gotten used to each other. So they have no problem just ripping on each other. <laughs> and it's just a lot of like old man jokes on Phi Phi. Yep. <laughs> it's really good. The old fart. Um, so everyone's locked up in these in these cells at first when Zero introduced himself. You flip a coin. He flips a coin. You have to call heads or tails. If you get the correct correct answer. You leave. You you get an ending immediately. Immediately. <laughs> you you beat the game. Uh, if you fail, you are then trapped, and you have to go through a series of puzzles. You have to play the decision game, and you have to wait until six people have been killed to get their X keys, and that is the way to escape the facility. Everyone is split up into three different wards. They have their own rooms and everything, along with puzzles and all that sort of stuff, because it's, it's it is a zero escape game. So you're gonna put, you're reducing the puzzles. Uh, so yeah, and then one of the first things you have to do is vote against a team to get eliminated. Uh, there's a variety of options that will go through there. So like, there's an option for like each team getting eliminated, and then there's one where everyone splits the vote, so where no one gets eliminated. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from there, you basically are going off into each team's segments and everything to where they will have their own individual stories to go through their own puzzles and all of their stories will eventually intertwine enough to where we will find an ending where everyone is alive enough to, to make it to an ending. Alive enough. Yes. Um, so Which I think they the, feel are, there are a lot of bad ends in this. In game there over. are a lot of bad ending, bad endings and game overs, which I think kind of the, the onboarding into getting into routes and everything is a little bit easier than VLR in this yeah. game because like, 
it segments it segments everything out for you and then like once you kind of go into a specific segment it gives you just the flow chart for that specific segment on its own mm-hmm. so like you'll go through like the the setup for it you'll go into the puzzle and then there will be a choice that splits out um of course there is a global flow chart and everything that kind of fills out as you go along you know some stuff will be locked as you as you progress and eventually as you keep going forward that stuff will unlock so you have to go through that to to find those specific cutscenes and all that sort of stuff but um kind of just getting started and like trying to figure out where to go is a little bit easier than something like vlr i would say i agree Uh, and also like you feel like there's because of the way it's segmented out you're like oh i could just go to this different segment and get more of their story like mm -hmm. it doesn't feel as much like a roadblock when you get a game over no mostly like if you once you get like a, a block and like that happens usually you'll have either have more stuff to do with that team or if you're done with that team you just move on to the next team and keep doing keeping doing yourself and eventually that stuff will unlock for the previous teams and vice versa and all that mm-hmm. um so of course each team has their own specific kind of like stories they're going through and that you are learning about these characters um of course, when you have four of them, you already kind of have a, a good bit of knowledge about uh, Akane, Junpei, Phi, and Sigma, but you are learning more about kind of like what they're doing currently, how they're trying to prevent the bad things from happening, and just kind of uh, continuing their stories in general, per se. Yeah, and um, like what their thoughts are about where they are and mm-hmm. about each other and all that jazz. And then basically how like their their specific teammates are kind of becoming intertwined into their stories, per se. Mm-hmm. Um the Q team is a little bit more self-contained as they are, you know, the original characters of the game. Newbies. Um, so they have their own dilemmas and relationships that they flesh out. Like you said, Eric and um, Mira kind of have their own relationship coming into this. So they, they, you see that fleshed out throughout the the rest of the game. You see um, how they interact with the amnesiac boy and everything. And then like basically all the things that he remembers over the course of the game that they have to try and like figure out the mystery behind him and all that sort of stuff uh it should be said that he has this big round thing on his head it's true um he has like this weird dome on his head with little like vent eyeballs that like when they first wake up they're like hey um that's kind of weird and uh there is a there's a keypad on his head to where you would presume if you get the code for it it would eventually unlock that and everything so they, they know that pretty quickly. Also, one of the things you 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 see when like you first kind of split off into the teams is that there is an item within like the lobby of the the ward they're in called a force quit box. Yep. It is a box. It is very heavy, and it has a keypad on it. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you will find uh, specific passwords to go into that, and then there will be a lot of like different doors and everything that you will need passwords for, which uh, they will give you hints for and everything. Um, it is probably a little bit harder to write down passwords in this game than the other games because it is much more cinematic and mm-hmm. you are not kind of going through dialogue yourself. It's just going on its own. Yep. So you're going to probably, I don't know if they, um, they have the logs. So that helps a little bit. They have bit. the logs. I don't know if like they, they write those down for you in like the notes or anything like that, but I don't think so. I don't remember well, seeing them. You would definitely need to, utilize the log more than this than you would in previous games per se yeah i agree because um, the other ones you could just like not hit the continue button and write it down and this one like mm-hmm. they're gonna go whether you want them to or not so right hit the log get the code come back yeah uh so c team the uh the carlos akane junpei team 
Uh, Junpei is moody. Junpei is super moody, but like understandably moody mm -hmm. um, because he was a very optimistic and happy dude. And then 999 happened and the girl that he like was in love with disappeared and he has been chasing her for a year. But also he like dropped out of school and joined a detective agency and does like really shady detective work. Mm -hmm. So like the boy's seen some things mm -hmm. and also he feels like very betrayed by Akane. Um, which again, I understand like he literally helped save her life and then she just like pieces out and doesn't tell him anything. Like that's not cool. At least give him some kind of like closure on that. But um, yeah, he's moody as heck and he's like, you know, not going to play the action hero anymore. <laughs> um, I am very, very sad. I think one of the worst things about this game and the models is that um, I'm sad that he didn't get that cool jacket that he had in the, like, official art. He just has black t-shirt. He just has black t-shirt and black jeans, which, like, is a good look. And um, I, I, I love how angsty this dude is they he's did very also, angsty he's so angsty they did also stylistically change um like what the brown hair color is mm -hmm. in this game so like akane and junpei kind of have like purple hair it's very weird and then we have akane we have akane who has also seen some yeah, she's also been through some stuff and, you know, has been plotting this whole time to get um, Sigma and Phi into DCOM and, like, knows what things are going to happen, which has got to be pretty intense on the brain. Like, she tries to be very positive at points and, like, goof around and all, but, like, she's seen some stuff. And she also, um, and we see this throughout many of the the segments um she kind of like goes off the handle very quickly like flies off the handle i think is the right phrasing for that right um she breaks easily right um like coming into this it is very much like akane and junpei aren't are not on the same page like they are coming in with their own motives motivations um reasons for being there kind of grumpy um, at each other yeah but, you know, as you said, like, if there are moments where Junpei will get into trouble or things will happen to him and she just, she's, she just has, no, she has none, she has nothing for it. She is mm -hmm. not, she's not having it. She will come back, come at you with a, with a fury and a vengeance. If you do anything to that boy. Um, then Carlos is a firefighter with a sister complex. They both say that he has a sister complex. They do. They it's literally so do. Like, separately they do. It's amazing. It was super, super funny to me. Um, which also kind of shows that, like, even though they aren't getting along very well at the moment and all, like, they still are kind of on the same page. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really just, like, Akane and Junpei keep saying, like, you're not the same person that you were. Which kind of is kind of playing off of the fact that um, in VLR, Tenmyoji tells that to older Akane as well. Yep. 
or basically mentions that like she was she's not the same person that she used to be yeah so a little bit of playing off of that but but yeah and then Carlos is just like, why can't we all get along? And Carlos, also, like, I want you guys to just make out, please. Carlos is the number one Junpei Akane shipper. He is the number one. Like, he might beat me. <laughs> he really he, wants them to get along and get together. He really does. Like, he's just so encouraging and so, like, ready for them to just make out. He's very, very supportive of both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like trying very hard to play a mediator so that they will get along and even says like a few times like well you know you guys are dating or like you're her boyfriend or whatever and they're like oh no 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 you know that's not how it is he's that's, like, not going, that's not how it is he's like uh huh sure right it's not how it is huh so um when's it gonna be like that huh <laughs> uh, but yeah he um he definitely is a very I think that Carlos is one of my favorite characters in this game after replaying it he's really really good he's pretty good and also like he is technically the protagonist he is he's very very instrumental in what happens here um there was something else I was gonna say about Carlos oh didn't you say he took his cat prom Yes. He took his cat to prom. That's amazing. I'm so glad that Carlos took his cat to prom. That's super funny. Speaking of cats. Yeah, speaking of cats. I mean, it, it, he seems kind of like the kind of dude that would just be like all-American football jock that like would have tons of girlfriends. So the idea that like he didn't and just took his cat to prom is hilarious to me. It's pretty good. Um, he also wears dumb jeans. I don't like his pants. <laughs> we'll talk more about Carlos as we get through the routes. Anyway. Uh, well, basically, the C team is kind of like a lot of their main function is explaining and showing off the shifting abilities. Yes. Um, so basically, obviously, Junpei and Akane have experience with this. Um, they talk a lot about the morphogenic field and everything. And Carlos kind of just gets wrapped into it and also becomes a shifter on his own yep he figures that out mm -hmm. also we talked about back to the future there's that one point where Akane just talks about back to the future even though she saw, she saw that movie once and just explains the plot of it which is hilarious because like Junpei is definitely dressed like Marty McFly in mm -hmm. 999 so you know maybe they watched it together so yeah like a lot of their just like existence is permeated throughout through the idea of like they are the sh the the ones that really show off the shifting abilities, um, and they do it throughout like their their route. They, you see them kind of going through histories here and there, um, to varying degrees of success and failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, no kidding. There is uh there's one route where basically, uh, Carlos shifts like back to the past and like goes uh and has to come back and save them and then like that's the route that technically leads you to Virtue's Last Reward. Yep. Because the radical six patients have already left and Akani's like, Oh, I gotta go implement all my plans. Uh this is also the route where uh Junpei proposes to Akane and she's like, Well, now you gotta forget me. Goodbye. Yep. But it also like is a good touch because in VLR, Akane, older Akane, has this big ring on her right hand. Mm -hmm. 
And so it was always like a, a really interesting detail of her character model. And then in this, they're like, for one, Junpei is a hilarious moron and gets her hand wrong. Um, he's like, I know that you always wanted to wear a ring on your left finger and then puts it on her right. And she's like, yeah, that's that's my right hand. He's like, oh, sorry. It looked oh, like the left. Oh, oh, I'm dumb. It, it looked like the left from my side, <laughs> which like I also get that he was nervous. But, um, you know, it explains that that character trait mm -hmm. having that ring but which there's a lot of scenes of him just like looking at this ring and then closing his hand even though like he's in view of everyone else <laughs> yeah that was pretty funny just hiding um, it. and i mean that's also an interesting fact is that like he's so angry and confused and even says like you're not the same person akane but then he's also carrying around this ring because he still like holds that torch for her mm -hmm. so um yeah, the the route that he's like, I will definitely save you guys. Also, I waited here for 10 months. <laughs> and they're like, um, why didn't you like get help or stop this or something? He's, he's like, like uh... oh. <laughs> oh, whoops. Yikes. Um, so, yeah, he, he leads to VLR happening. Mm -hmm. Whoops. But yeah, they're they're the main like just, hey, we're shifters. Yeah. Um, they also like very much explain what shifting is, how it works. Yes. Um, and like you said, they do it a lot to varying degrees of success. Um, D team is similar, but they are more for like, hey, we are showing off the transporting machine. Uh -huh. They're going to be very prominent in that. Um, so of course, you know we have we have Siggy and Fi. They are I here. I know. They are. Attempting to stop everything that happens in Virtue's Last Reward from happening and everything. Diana's here. She mm -hmm. joined up in the decom because she wanted to get away from everything because she has had some real rough happen. Yeah. She had a real abusive mm -hmm. husband, which sucks. And so her uh, co-worker was like, hey, maybe you should go do this thing. That's a good mm -hmm. way for you to get away. So I guess she gets to hang out with Sigma and Phi. Yep. Um, a lot, there's a lot of good character interactions between these three. Um. I agree. A lot of it is like hinged on Sigma and Phi kind of carrying it for a bit, but then Diana kind of comes into her own as well as That's the, what I was gonna say is that the like, game comes along. She I feel like she's more integrated into her team. Mm -hmm. Um, because she becomes like a super and not that Carlos doesn't become a super important part, but like as a team they become a very important part of this story. Right. Whereas like C team splits at points and they're separated mm -hmm. at points and like that will happen some with D, but for the most part, like they're driven as a unit. Right. Uh, Sigma is very just open about everything that's happening. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm an old man in, a, in my young body. All this bad stuff's going to happen in the future if we don't stop it. I'm just telling it to everyone. <laughs> yeah. He just tells everybody like there's no, there's no secrecy about this. He's just like, yep, this is how it is. So um, tell, there is that... one thing he's secret about, though. His dong size. <laughs> no, he's probably not secret about that. Um, no. Um, and that's, like, his his knowledge and relationship with Diana. Because mm -hmm. he does not bring that up ever until, no. like, way later in it. But he knows her. Yes. Um, of course, if you have played VLR, you will find that Diana looks familiar to to a specific character in that game. 
Mm-hmm. She looks very similar to somebody else. Yes, she looks very familiar to one Luna. Mm-hmm. Who you learn about in VLR was a robot made robot. by Sigma. Mm-hmm. And all that. Um, she is the DM. She is the DM, yes. Mm-hmm. Not the dungeon master. <laughs> Nor the direct message. Not that either. Um, Sigma's going to slide into her DMs. There is a there is an ending as well in this. Obviously, that kind of ties into the VLR ending in, in C-Teams where um, we learn that Phi is the person responsible for getting the Radical 6 virus out because she's injected with it prior by to them Mira. trying to leave. Yes, by Mira. Um, this is also the route where Sigma loses his eye and arms. So you get to see that. Um, Diana is the one who takes him to a local hospital. Also, um, you do see the recording that happens that you you find in VLR. Yep, which where... I I let I, I let you listen to it. Um, the recording from VLR after we watch this scene, and it's like one for one. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Which they even like in VLR, they like this is Diana. Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada, all the stuff six, about six, six billion, billion people. people. Are gonna die and everything, and they bas- they recreate it basically one for one here, um, which I didn't realize that they they name dropped Diana in VLR the way they uh-huh. do, which is very surprising and smart. But I guess that it makes sense if VLR and Zero Time Dilemma were being made kind of co concurrently with each other, or at least written concurrently, right? So that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, they they kind of they they harken back to all that and everything. Um, one of the other things, one of the other big, big things in the D team, uh, D team's route is learning about Phi. Yep. And who has been a mystery since VLR? Yes. Um. She has no knowledge of her parents or anything. She's basically just kind of come along for the ride and everything, um, and become a, a an important partner to Sigma throughout all of this, um. She does know she was adopted. She knows she's adopted and all that. And then she has this, uh, she has this brooch, 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 brooch that is supposedly from her mother that she yep. carries around with her at all times. Um, and inspired her to learn some Latin. Mm-hmm. One route uh, that, that come that happens, uh, Phi is, is killed because of a decision you have to make. Um, she's incinerated. She gets incinerated, uh, which leaves Hello, her, her brooch. Um and Diana holds on to it. Uh, I don't know if it's the same route or not, but because we play this all out of order, but uh, (laughs) there is another route where Sigma and Diana find a room which has these transporter pods in it, and these transporter pods basically can take uh the the data of the person in them and take them to a different timeline or time travel them essentially. Mm-hmm. So they experiment with it and end up going to a different different history where they had already been killed and everything and basically kind of learn exactly how these work. And basically once you use it, you have to wait 10 more months for it to recharge and everything and then you'll be able to use it again. Yes. So they get to... That's that's a big proponent of this game as well that they, they find out. Um, basically that route where Phi dies... Um, we get to see uh, Akane leaves mm-hmm. because she th- there's enough X passes for her to leave. Which Sigma some and Diana intense stuff happens with C team at that point. Yeah, too. Sigma and Diana are left alone, and they they think that Akane is going to come back for them. Akane does not come back for them. Mm-mm. 
because of things that have happened. Yeah. So Sigma and Diana are forced to live in the in the facility for good, essentially. They can't yeah. escape. Um, they have enough food to last them for, let's say, 10 months. Mm-hmm. Along the way, you see... If they it, eat frugally, as they he eat frugally. Says. And Gab gets some, too. Gab, Gab obviously gets to eat some. There was there's some good points where, like... <laughs> You just see Sigma like trying to make Diana eat, and I was like, "Hey, I'm Sigma, and you're Diana." <laughs> and then she kicks away the can. You're like, "Still, yes." <laughs> Gab's like, "Yes, food." Give me that food. Uh, so along the way, you get to see like the how the relationship between uh, Sigma and Diana kind of um, evolves. evolves over over these over this timeline where Diana kind of starts losing it in terms of just being stuck there and not being able to escape or anything, and it's having a real rough time of it. And Sigma says something here that I didn't realize what it meant until like we played through it again. Because originally when he said it, he says, like, you know, I'm used to it um, when she's talking about like how he deals with it. In terms and, of being stuck in isolation and all that sort of stuff. Right. Or and, like in a facility and being locked up. And so I initially, when I played through it the first time, I thought like, oh yeah you know he has experience with a game like this before where he's like had people killing each other and all that jazz and stuck in a facility like he he knows what that's like but what he's actually referring to is the fact that he lived like in solidarity like by himself for i think like 40 years Mm -hmm. to make sure that everything happened the way it was supposed to in vlr which is yeah intense so like he knows what it's like to be by yourself isolated have nobody to really deal so at least he has somebody here um, so he kind of got used to how it is and she's gonna not adjust very well, I guess. Um, she also like gets drunk and asks him to sleep with her. She does. Which they they basically do. They do the I mean they, they do. Um so this is the part that I was alluding to earlier is that like after she like runs off and I guess sobers up a little bit, um Sigma comes up behind her and hugs her and is like, I'm sorry, like, I've been trying to push you away because I know what this is going to be. Like, we were we were together and I fell in love with you and, like, I was trying to push you away because I was scared of that loss. And, uh, yeah, then they bang in the um, transporter. <laughs> Transport pod. <laughs> uh, conveniently enough, nine months later. Yeah, so she's like, oh, by the way, Sigma, I'm... Uh, pregnant um sigma forgoes some of his food so that she can deliver some some babies mm-hmm. we get a spe- like once once the cutscene happens for that we get a specific date for which becomes a, t- a password for something else yep but uh diana gives birth that we and- broke <laughs> yes and she gives birth to twins twins a, a, boy, girl and a, a boy girl yes and basically sigma has to like come to the conclusion that like they are not going to survive all their all three all four of them together or five of them together yeah they don't need, forget gab sorry they need to send the kids in the transporter pods to somewhere else because he's like we're going to starve to death that's just mm. how it is um which the thing that's really terrible about this is that like they do put them in the pods and transport them out um but, they're but just, that's they're transporting data the, so it's the, like a the copy of them. So like right. all five of them are still going to starve to death there. Mm-hmm. It's intense. So they put them in the transport pods. They named the kids there. 
and leave them some tokens. Yes, the boy is named Delta, and the girl is named Phi. After Phi, because mm-hmm. they love her so much. Uh, Diana gives the, the brooch to Phi, and leaves Delta with the birdcage? The, mur- the birdcage music box, which obviously, again, something very familiar. Mm-hmm. They are sent to the past, and that is how things go. 1904. 1904. Um, so, if it, so to explain this a little bit more, uh, they all get sent to the past. Uh, eventually, Phi gets sent forward to the future, to 2008, and that's where she basically begins her life. Yep. Where she is adopted and all that sort of stuff, and then lives on to 2028, and the, the events of VLR and everything occur, and then she's brought back here to Zero Time Dilemma. Delta basically stays in that 1904 timeline. In Germany. In Germany. Pretty sure he lives out his life. Yeah, probably. Especially with some of the things he's going to get into. Yeah. And also, like, the original Phi who did go to 1904 becomes like a researcher. Yes, because again, they're using the transport device to copy her data to the future. So the original Phi would stay there. Mm-hmm. And she becomes like a high talented researcher. There is the. It's, it's so sort of implied that that version of Phi goes. And basically finds that transporter in America in 2008 and adopts the copy of Phi. She adopts herself. Yes. Um, which, if we haven't been making it clear, this is the same Phi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sigma and Diana are her parents. Yes. Which makes it... It wasn't just a coincidence that they named her Phi. It's actually Phi. It's actually Phi. And it's really uncomfortable to think about, like, all the times that Sigma, like, asked her to wear a swimsuit or talked about her boobs. Because I'm like, oh, that's your daughter. He didn't know. He didn't know, but at the same time, I was like, oh, buddy. <laughs> also, um, we have we have been watching uh, Fangirl's playthrough of the, nine, the Zero Escape series. Yep. And when people are like, oh, yeah, I ship Sigma and Phi together, it's like... <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Mm, no, maybe don't. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. You will. Re- you will have. Regrets. But you can't say that because that's a huge spoiler. It's a huge. It's like one of the biggest spoilers of this game. But at the same time, you're just like you will have so many regrets if you do that. <laughs> but yeah, that that is a huge reveal. That it's massive. Phi's parents are Sigma and Phi, or Sigma, not Sigma and Phi. She's not her own parent. Or Sigma and Diana. <laughs> I mean, she technically, is her own parent. But um, yeah, they're they're her her parents and it's funny because there's a scene earlier in one of the segments where um Phi is talking about something and it's like uh sigma says oh man your parents must have been really messed up and then it like zooms in on diana and <laughs> sigma. Like, yeah, it's a cut to like diana and sigma just staring i was like oh my god they did so that good. They so did smart the thing and i didn't realize it um so then the the big mystery is, okay, well, we know who Phi is. Who is Delta? Well, we're going to get to that. Uh. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's the whole kind of just for D-Team, is that you the learn all that. You learn the transporters, and then you learn the history of, of Phi and then Delta as well. Or you, you, just, you, you learn the about them. Alien tech that you could put under the bracelets. Yes, which kind of which solves the, uh, the anesthesia being stabbed into you and making you lose your memory for... What had, what had previously happened and all that, and knocking you out and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's Q-Team. Oh, God, there's so many clever things that happen in Q-Team that I did not notice the first play. Yes. Uh, so you have Eric and Mira. They know each other. There's the amnesiac boy who is known at this point as Q. He's known as Q, yes. 
Um, they go At throughout. Least the player knows him as Q. Yes, the player knows him as Q. Uh, you go through all your whole stuff and everything. You learn about Eric and Mira's relationship, whatever it is. Eric is Eric's a f- boy. He is, and you learn that he has like a very abusive past. Mm-hmm. Um, he also like contributed to the, um, I guess, disposal of his younger brother's body. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom died, uh, so I mean, he's had a pretty messed up childhood but also he's a boy yeah Mira's a serial killer oh yeah Mira's a serial killer she's the heart ripper she is uh she is involved in a story that zero mentions a lot and also talks about where he talks about snails snails a specific snail caused all of this and life is simply unfair life is simply unfair um I guess we should talk about the snail story so um the snail story is that there is a snail that goes on one path and there is a lady who's running and she usually follows that path but she sees the snail so she goes the other way as she goes the other way um she is murdered um she gets like cut open and all that jazz and um a man is blamed for her death a japanese man um also, there's the whole thing with, like, the doctor and the taxi, and I think it was, like, the Japanese man took the taxi that the doctor was going to take, is that, or the, the doctor... No, the, the, the Japanese man who was accused was getting, was going to use the taxi, the taxi but and was the caught doctor beforehand. Took it. The doctor takes it, gets into an accident, is unable to give this young child surgery. The child dies. The child dies because of it. Um, and also the Japanese man is, um, tried and, um, I guess Found- he... He's found guilty, is unable to get retried, is executed. Eventually, later on, uh, new evidence comes out. His, his wife commits suicide. New evidence comes out that he was not guilty of the crime. Mm-hmm. But obviously, it's well past the point. Too late. Yeah. Um. So, wife commits suicide and leaves two young kids behind. Mm-hmm. Um. All of this is to say that the snail... And Mira are the cause of everything in the Zero Escape series. It's true. Um, because Mira is the one who killed the lady who was running, who is also Eric's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, she wanted to, she has issues like understanding emotions. So she wants to feel people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Literally. Literally. Um, because her mom's like, yeah, your feelings are in your heart. And she's like, I don't want to feel that. Okay, I'll just rip out people's hearts. So she becomes a ripper. Um, Akane's dad is the one who is accused. Mm-hmm. And her mom is the one who commits suicide. Mm-hmm. And um, she was told they were in an accident, but um, that is not the case. So then they are orphaned and... That leads to the whole scenario with 999 and the first nonary games that happens as their kids, um, which then obviously leads to a lot of other things. Um, I guess there was... Oh, and also um, that kid who died is important. Yes. The kid who did not get surgery. I guess the doctor is technically unimportant, but... True. Um, So yeah, that's a whole lot of tight that 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 is a lot of the essentials tied into the q team um but there is a lot more life is simply unfair life is simply unfair um so yeah mira is unhinged a lot she murders junpei at one point yeah so um 
Zero does not inject her and kind of gives her free reign of the facility. And she kind of goes, you know, serial killery at one point and decides that she's just going to dismember Junpei. Like, cuts his head off, cuts his limbs off. It's real messed up. And that's what we were talking about earlier on the podcast and, like, that his limbs are used as part of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, God. And then when you, like, open the door and you see his head, you're like, oh, Oh no! Oh no! 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 Um, so it's, it's real messed up. Um, she also, in some of the other routes, murders a bunch of other people. Um, she injects five with radical six, like we said. Yeah. So she she does a lot of messed up things, and it's interesting because, like, once you realize that the issue with her is that she doesn't like know how to express emotions or feel emotions, or like she tries to pretend that she does. Um, like you notice that she has a lot of very odd responses to events. Mm-hmm. And there's a good point as well. Like there is a, uh, there's a puzzle sequence with, with Q team where they find the radical six fires and everything. And there is one of the endings basically sets her up to be like, Oh, she injected radical six. Cause they all did. And she kills her teammates Mm-hmm. But she only did that because she's injected with Radical 6. Like, it sets it up as that, but obviously that's not the case. Right. She's uh, just a killer. She's just a killer. Eric's in love with her, and she's only next. She's only with Eric because she finds something, she found something interesting within him, and she thinks that if she eventually kills him and cuts him open and touches his heart, that she'll feel something, that she'll feel the same thing she felt when she first killed. Yes. Which eventually that does happen, and she has that that same experience, basically. Um, also, he says the exact same thing to her that her first kill, which was his mother, um, they said the same thing to her. So she's mm-hmm. like, huh, you know, that's kind of weird. And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> about that. So, um, yeah, like a lot of it is learning about their relationship, but you also learn about the kid. Yes. Learn about the kid. Um, and also just the way that this game messes with you and the idea of player agency. There's so many things that are ah. um Again, once you play through this game again, you pick up on so many hints. There's yeah. a there's a conversation early on where they are discussing um they're talking about a, an event that happened in the decom facility where they're talking about working together as a teammate and Eric mentions the idea or mentions something about about a person in a wheelchair. The chair-bound old man. The chair-bound old man. And, and it's like, oh, that's why the chair-bound old man was there. And um, they're talking about, like, how you have to think strategically about, like, issues that would come up. Mm-hmm. And essentially, at that point in time, it's a throwaway line. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It is not. Um, there will also be certain points in this route, or, like, some of the other routes where you encounter Q-Team, that... Like, there's always an extra shot or an extra, like, sound mm-hmm. um, that you're like, oh, huh, that's weird. It, sh- it must have been this person that was also killed. It's like, ah. Nope. The game does a really good job of protecting that secret. the, the secrets, but also good, doing a good job of, like, really just leading it. you into it. It's um, really good. Like once you realize it, you're like, "Oh my god!" So let's first talk about the young boy. 
let's talk about him. The young boy, uh, you will eventually learn, is named Sean. Mm-hmm. Sean is a robot. He is a robot. He has no head. He has been brought in by Zero. Mm-hmm. And he basically gives him gives him an in into one of the teams and also allows him to see what's happening. There is an ending where Sean and Zero basically have a discussion about stuff and Zero gives him the opportunity to basically live out a virtual life or stay in the same life or basically just destroy himself. Um, eventually you learn that Sean is based off of the young kid who was, who died because of the doctor couldn't get there because of the taxi and all that stuff from the, the Mira story. Yep. And turns out that that kid, Sean, that died at the illness from the illness had met an old man in mm-hmm. the hospital and they talked a lot about like philosophy and read books together. And he's like, wow, this guy's really smart. And they became friends with him. It's like, so all that happens also sean has like he when you take his head off eventually he doesn't have a head the the sphere thing is his head head. uh but he can plug into like the the central computer that is housed in the facility um also eventually you learn that all the warts are the same it's all the same thing just just the way it's presented is that two of the teams are asleep when one team is awake and they're put into pods. They're put in the pods. Also, um, you can break the um, screen that like changes the look of the room. Mm-hmm. So all that happens. Uh, and one of the key things is that the game never name drops Sean until like it's very vitally important. Yeah. Eric and Mira will never call him by his name. Mm-mm. And you will also learn at certain points when the other teams kind of interact with Q team at varying points, they don't, they don't know who that kid is. Yeah. He's like, they're like, who is this? Which is, if you're thinking about it, like that seems very strange. Obviously they should know him. Well, they, they know that he wasn't in the Mars test thing originally. Correct. And like, there are moments like one time Diana finds the bodies and she's like a child. So young. Um, so, like, it's made very clear they don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is similar to the the Sigma reveal where everyone did not know uh, the young version of Sigma, the, the, the Kyle clone. Yep. But they... Poor Kyle. They only knew old Sigma. He gets a mention in this game, at least. He gets one mention, that's it. Yep, one mention. Very throwaway. But at least he gets mentioned. Yeah. They could have um, ignored him entirely. So, like I said, like the only Eric and Miro only name drop Sean at very key opportunities. Yeah. Um, one of the first times I think that you really get to see like the, how the game has been f-ing with you, um, which is maybe the first or second time I don't remember because we kind of sequence broke this game. But I feel like I remember in my playthrough originally this was one of the first times. Uh, there comes a point in time when Q Team basically finds himself and finds themselves in a Mexican standoff. Yes, that is the first time it becomes important. Where all three of them have weapons drawn on them. And There's a crossbow, a, a handgun, a and, handgun and a grenade, a grenade launcher. launcher. <laughs> all very fair weapons. And basically, you have to decide who gets shot. Um, Somebody has to go so that the X-Passes can be revealed and everybody yes. can leave. So your options are shooting Eric, shooting Mira not choosing anyone and then there's a fourth option Uh 
And I remember that I got to this segment pretty early on when I was playing mm-hmm. and I could not figure out that fourth one. Like I kept putting in things that it wouldn't, wouldn't take. And I'm like, who is this fourth option? Then eventually I found out who it was. Eventually you'll find out the fourth option. If you put in the name Delta, mm-hmm. the game accepts it. Yep. And Sean will, you will, this is a moment where Eric and Mira will be like, you see Sean turn around they're like, Sean, what are you doing? They'll very blatantly name drop him. Yep. As Sean there. He turns around and shoots someone. He basically shoots at the camera. Mm-hmm. And the camera pans around and sees an old man and he has just been shot. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why would you shoot the old man? That's strange. Well, I guess we're out of here then. <laughs> and... Essentially, this is the way the game uh, shows that in Q-Team, you are playing as Delta. Which, by the way, uh, Delta is the old man in the chair that Eric mentions very off the cuff, like very early on. He is The old man in the chair is basically, was at DCOM. Um, he was a part of the experiment, but he is also supposedly deaf and blind and in yep. and wheelchair bound. Yes. So they're like, how are we going to work with this guy and all this? And so they're told at the facility that his name is Q. That his name is Q. So and they so, know him as Q. Everyone mm-hmm. else knows him as, as Q. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is another- why it makes sense to everybody when it's like, Q team will be led by Q. Mm-hmm. Uh, another round sees, I think, uh, Sigma Diana Carlos, who has one arm at this point, because <laughs> Akane, Akane has chopped it off. Yep. Uh, With a and- chainsaw. They have they are there with Eric and Sean because of things have happened, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um again, you have to basically name drop who Zero is at that point, and if you put in Delta, mm-hmm. the camera pans, shows the old man, they're like, There's no way it's Q and then he gets up out of his chair. Mm-hmm. They're like, What is going on? Takes and off his weird glasses. Takes off his weird glasses, which he has weird eyes and everything, and then he, he introduces like himself purple. as Delta. Yep. Again, if you remember what we talked about with the D route, Delta is Phi and Diana's son. Uh, Di- Diana and Sigma. Yes, Diana's I yeah, Diana Sigma's son. Phi's, I'm gonna completely mess it up every time, I guess. Phi's brother. Yeah, Phi's brother. brother, yes. And some things happen in that route as well, where basically everyone gets killed because mm-hmm. of unknown reasons. And then it, it's just Diana there, and then by the end of it, you see a close, like a closing shot of Delta, and the last word he says is "mom." Yep. And that's like the confirmation, like or like the the big reveal, of like whoa. Um. So yeah, you get an old man as zero, and then basically the ending is everyone coming together. They have not voted for each other. They figure out the things that have happened because of shifting and all that sort of stuff. And they find Delta, and he he reveals what everything is taking place, what's happening, and all that. Why he's brought everyone together, and the reason he's brought everyone together is so that he and Phi can become born. Yep. Because he needs he needs basically like um reproductive cells apparently become more intense when you're like. And a sense to, of to danger, danger and, and he needs them to, those two specifically like Phi and himself to have to have that happen because they will get special powers so if i will be able to shift he gets the power to mine for hack hack mine <laughs> hack 
mind hack. So yep. he can read people's minds and also make basically jack their minds and like make them there do have been stuff. certain parts in the game where like a a character will be like, I don't know what happened. I did not press that button. I didn't mm -hmm. do that. And they're like, Oh yeah, sure you didn't do it. But like, which it's basically it's kind of like implying like, Oh, this that's just because the the player did that. Right. Which um which is interesting in the fact that like they go that way and they kind of did that same thing in VLR as well. Um and there's the whole basically now non-canon ending where they talk about how um, there's this whole other other being inside uh, K mm -hmm. or whatnot. And basically that's supposed to be like the player. And basically they kind of re-invoke that here where you have characters going like, oh, I don't know why I did that. Why I, I didn't mean to do that. I, my hand just moved and did that. And then they're basically like, oh, yeah, that's just that's just you, the player doing that. Wink, wink. Yep. It's very interesting that they do that. But yeah, uh, Delta reveals everything about how he wanted to have the right circumstances and everything for for him and Phi to be born and everything. His motives are very complex. He has complex, complex motives. Also, he is brother. Yes, that's a that's also a big reveal as well. That um, One of the routes, he, he basically talks about how he is the leader of Free the Soul. He is brother. His, his actual brother left, was killed... Uh, in like nineteen twenties Germany. Yep. And, and that was his adopted little brother. Yes. And basically he uses like the transporter to make clones of himself and all that sort of stuff. And he is the leader of Free the Soul. Yep. Um The reason he's basically moving the world towards like the VLR timeline is because he's trying to eliminate someone. Mm-hmm. A religious fanatic. Which they don't really go into. Oh my Again. god, Loki just brought in a mustache. Oh, what a good boy. Uh, so there is some some issues, like we said, with the ending. I think we both talked about in our early reviews. Um, <laughs> this really isn't brought up. It's kind of brought up, but then they don't really go too far into it. Outside of, I think, uh, in one of these special endings, Akane and Junpei are trying to find that person. Yes, before certain circumstances happen in terms of like them getting married. Yeah. Um, so yeah. He's the he's the leader of Free the Soul. Yep. Um, Delta gives them one last decision of the decision game where he has Eric shoot Delta, who shoot himself because of his mind hack ability, and then he basically uh, he lets them activate the Force Quit Box, which turns out to be the self detonation device of the facility. And he's like, "All right, well, your final decision. You have to either shift or not shift out of here." Yep. And they have to come up with a moral, they come up with like the moral idea of like, well, if we shift, we're transporting our consciousnesses from where we're going to where we are now. And they're going to be the ones to die, which is very weird that they're conscious of this now when they've been shifting all over the place throughout the entire game and have not really cared one AI iota about this. Yep. But now it's such a big deal. <laughs> uh and so they're like, yeah, the only circumstance that we would be able to shift to is like after the coin toss where we win. The issue is that like once we transport them, like once we shift into them, they're going to shift to us and they're just going to die and they won't know why. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, the good ending is, hey, you have to shift. <laughs> yeah, you have to shift. So you do that. You shift to outside of the facility um, where the coin flipped happened, which, which in that ending, the first time you get it is like everyone is, is, is free. They don't understand what happened because they they have been injected with the memory loss drug, mm -hmm. and are just confused. Uh, eventually, once everyone comes here, they shift in, which of course 
uh, like Eric and Mira aren't shifters, but uh, the they're able to do it because they are in a um, in a group full of people who can shift. So like the, uh, the and also in a life or death situation. In a life or death situation, so like the the ability for them is kind of heightened, so they're able to do it. They're able to shift out, and they're like, "All right, we're we're good. We did it." Uh, Delta shows back up and is like, hey, "I guess you, I guess you did the thing." And he shows up with Gab. Gab. Gab's there, the true mastermind. He shoots Gab, and when partners and the rude. yeah the ending sequence, sequence, he shoots Gab. <gasps> it's very rude. Um, basically, everyone's just like, "We're gonna have you arrested." And he's like, "Of what? what? I didn't do anything. Everyone's what? alive here." They're like murder. He's like, "Who's dead?" Yeah, no one's dead where's, here. Where's the body? And they're like, well, like, you, have, you have stuff in that facility. He's like, nope, it's all gone. All right, like, cleared it out. Conspiracy to commit murder. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, you guys were asleep for a while. I just cleaned everything out. It's on a truck. It's going. Which, I mean, to be fair, they could just have him arrested because he is a leader of a religious cult. Yeah, that too. A terrorist religious cult at that. Yeah. Um, But that doesn't really get uh brought up. Uh, He gives uh, Carlos a gun and is like, all right. Here's your final decision. Do you shoot me or not? And then basically you can either let him go or or blat blat him. Well, it ends. Yeah. Before you before you can make a decision. That's how the game ends. Is he's like, all right, you can either kill me or let me go. And then mm-hmm. the game ends. You mm-hmm. get credits. True, true, true. So, like, there is no real... Definitive answer on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that is how the game ends. That's how everything is kind of wrapped up. There is a few uh, ending notes you get. Uh, there's one, like we said, of Junpei and Akane. Uh, you get a little bit of them discussing things and trying to find out this religious zealot or whatever that Delta was trying to find. Uh, there is also... this really cute part where Junpei is like writing a letter to Carlos about like how thankful he is that they're mm-hmm. together and um, like inv- inviting them to the wedding. And Akane's like, "Oh, what are you doing there?" What are you doing? He's like, nothing, nothing. I'm doing nothing. <laughs> it's really, really cute. But yeah, they're going to get married after they figure out the, the religious zealot guy. Um, Eric's going to break Mira out of jail and then put her in the transporter to make sure to make her stop killing people. So that one causes a lot of issues for me mm-hmm. um, because they essentially, she's been put into jail to repent for her crimes and, and she um, marries Eric while she's in jail. She does marry Eric, which is also kind of weird because I didn't get the sense that she had any like genuine romantic feeling for him, but whatever. Um, and also like in the one ending where they get loose and they're like together, she murders him. So oh, and there's one I think as well where she's just not happy. Yeah. When they escape. Um so they get married and Sean is also like with them and saying like, Hey, you know, the only way to fix this is for you to like go back and not murder at all. So they're talking about like, they break her out of jail or prison and they're talking about using the transporter to make sure that she never murders Eric's mom, which also that should be discussed that his girlfriend murdered his mom. (laughs) I I mean, I guess like in a sense, it, it makes it's it's plausible that they would do this because technically in this whole entire series this is all about alternate timelines alternate histories and all that sort of stuff right. that history where none of this happens would exist 
it would and so that would alter everything like mm-hmm. nothing would happen here like that snail would not be the cause of all this 999 wouldn't have happened vlr wouldn't have happened uh well it might have still happened um this wouldn't happen this wouldn't happen the issue is that like delta would still be out there the question is like what what would he be able to pull off but yeah. like none of the other stuff would happen and it's kind of weird to think about but mm-hmm. the real detriment to this is that d team gets nothing mm-hmm. and that's really upsetting it's very bad like i want some like hate diana and sigma got to live happily ever after and mm-hmm. Phi got to like torture them as their adult daughter mm-hmm um, like I need that. I need that content in my life. Mm-hmm. It's f- super duper upsetting that like they get they get the absolutely shafts. nothing. It's really it's bu- real really much more. We you get crappy Eric and Mira doing dumb stuff, and we don't get the good the good team. I mean, C teams get too. They're, they're the second good team. Um, also, Carlos like his sister is fine. Um, she's had this illness the whole time, at, like called Reverie Syndrome. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially, like, Akane explains that she is a shifter as well, but, like, her shifting is out of control and she can't figure it out. So that's Mm. the whole problem with her. So once Carlos knows what's going on, he's able to, like, help her get out of that loop and she's fine. Um, So we find that out and he's hanging out with her and they're going to go to the wedding. But, yeah... D team gets nothing, and it's real upsetting. It's real upsetting. What the heck? It's a big bummer. Um, and like we kind of mentioned it earlier, like a lot of like other characters are kind of very briefly mentioned. Like, uh, the rest of the cast of Nine 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 is just kind of talked about by Junpei at one point. He he does like a run through of them, yeah. like as a name drop of like, oh yeah, you know Seven, that detective guy. He told me about this, or like. You know, Lotus, um, she's raising her daughters, which is weird because they're the same age as Junpei and Akane, so they're, like, in their 20s, 22, like, yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, hey, how's your brother? How's he? Or he actually says, how is Santa? I mean, Aoi. And um, I was like, oh, buddy. Um, so, yeah, we we don't really get any kind of closure on those characters. Um, we had some mention of snake in VLR, but no real, nothing really. So like, it's kind of disappointing that that's dropped. Um, yeah. Clover's uh, not even mentioned here. Clover's not mentioned. Um, we have mentioned before that like the whole Kyle story is very much dropped. Yeah. He gets literally a line in this game and that's it. He gets one mention, and it's like Sigma lamenting the things that he's built. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Um. So that's that's a thing, and like I feel like we definitely could have gotten more on Free the Soul because mm-hmm. we we got some details in this one, and we got some details in VLR, but I feel like it could have been fleshed out a lot better. Totally. And. I do understand that Delta had complex motives, but, like, maybe they should have been explained better rather than, like, there's a fanatic and it's either Radical 6 and kill 6 million or kill 8 million um, with the fanatic, 
or um you know none of that happens or you know the big thing is i just want to be born like i'm 124 years old and i want to be born like it's it's kind of odd that his motives aren't explained more right um i feel like that fanatic thing could have been talked about more in depth Mm -hmm. for sure yeah um but yeah it's it's interesting there's a lot that could have been done but also like overall it's a very satisfying game right i was so happy that junpei and akane got together you were so happy makes everything okay and also like diana and sigma are so cute together they were very good and he really like genuinely cares about her and you could tell how much he cares about her which Mm -hmm. is crazy like the scene where he comes up behind her and like hugs her and starts talking about like their lives together and then he like tells her again after the bone in the pod um she's like how do you know so much about me he's like oh by the way yeah we lived together for like three years <laughs> i know everything about you um and then tries to talk about his legs and she's like yeah that's kind of weird if you go on the left leg you'll never get to the right toes <laughs> Um, is there anything else I'm missing? Uh, not that I can think of. Um, one thing that I do want to say is that the move to these kinds of models leads to some of the best facial expressions that I've seen in ages. Like, there is this one part. And we mentioned it earlier where, like, Junpei is saying, like, if you throw the cheese in there, then you could throw some other condiments and it could be a hot dog. And they, like, zoom in on Carlos's face afterwards, and it's one of the greatest shots I've ever seen in a video game. He just looks appalled. Um, <gasps> we should also talk about drunk Junpei. Yeah, he gets drunk. He's um, high on life! Or drunk but- on life. But I was going to say, uh, we mentioned this very early on, but uh, I think one of the more interesting things that have been that has been the lasting legacy of this game is the potential for memory. Yes. God, that video is so good. There's a video that you love, which we we talked about this earlier. But we mm-hmm. didn't go too in depth of it. That's just like a post for this game the it video is. and then like it's ruined this game like you you were <laughs> giggling the whole time throughout delta explaining his motives because of it because like a lot of that video is just taking the final scene of delta explaining his motives and um they cut out pieces where he says like you are a <laughs> instead of shifter and mm-hmm. um it's so so good you're and, all um, <laughs> you're all <laughs> And um, there's like a part where uh, in the game, there's this segment where Carlos is like trying to um, get the bracelets, um, get the cards under the bracelet so they don't get injected. So he puts this like elaborate scheme in in the works that he's like, oh, by the way, Wakana, you're like really, really hot, like super hot. 
And Jubei's like, excuse me, what? Um, he like gets on top of Akane at one point and whispers. And then um, after that, Jubei's like, you know what? No. And they end up going to like the power room and beating Jubei beats the crap out of him. Um, and then they come back and they had a discussion. And he's like, oh, man, let's go to the bar and have a drink. Oh, darn, I dropped this glass. Can you guys both help me, like, clean up this glass? And it's kind of, like, a bizarre segment. Um, and it's all just him, like, trying to get past Delta and, like, not show that they were, like, putting the cards under the, the thing. Um, the beating was real. Junpei really beat the crap out of him because he's like, yeah, you look like you'd be a bad actor, so I just didn't let you in on it. Um, but... <laughs> There's this part, like, in the whole um, segment where uh, Carlos, like, gets on top of Akane, and he's like, and then Carlos whispered in my, in, in my ear, I am brother. <laughs> Lol. Lol. And also, Carlos Whisper is happening in the background. Carlos Whisper is A++++. Also, Carlos Whisper is one of the best meme songs I've ever heard. Like, I love that song in general, but, like, hearing it in scenes like this is just genius. And just like Delta's idea of complex motives has just been memed on throughout mm -hmm. through the three years since this game has come out. Um, there's also a really good video of of basically of um, JoJo Part Four where they took uh, dialogue from this game and <laughs> put it into one of the scenes or a couple of scenes from JoJo Part Four because DC Douglas does uh, Delta in this and he also plays Kira in uh, JoJo Part Four. So <laughs> there's just some really good dialogue mixing there and also they put the delta glasses on kira yeah that was amazing <laughs> it's really good but that yeah there's a some, good one there's some real dumb videos um in regards was, to this game there was one that we thought of that we haven't done um but it would be hilarious is that's just like replacing all of zero's dialogue with mari from love life's <laughs> Have you ever seen the uh, the cursed Mari plushie meme? No. It's like this weird looking Mari plushie that people will like insert into like where she should be and everything. I my my like my thought of this video is just like anytime Zero shows up on a monitor, it's that plushie that shows up, and then you just hear Mari's dialogue. Hello, everybody, <laughs> shiny. <laughs> that would be amazing. I have to see this plushie because I've never seen it, but like. It would just be amazing to have, like, her dialogue replacing Zero's dialogue, especially with, like, how brutal everything is in this game. <laughs> oh, man. So, there's been a lot of memery, and also, like, Grumpy Junpei has been dunked on a lot. He's so grumpy, but it's good. He's so grumpy. He has a right to be grumpy. He does, but also it's funny. It's funny. It's very funny. Um, like, there have definitely been jokes about how he's, like, a Hot Topic kid. He very much is a Hot Topic kid. Mm-hmm. He, like, paints his fingernails black. He's, 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 he's in a My Chemical Romance phase. Oh, my God. You're not my mama, Connie. When he was a young boy, his father took him into the city to see a marching band. Legit, one of my favorite scenes with him and his grumpiness is that whole, like, I'm no longer the action hero. Scene. It's like, <laughs> you are being a child. Like, when were you the action hero? You were never the action hero. You were, like, soul 
Sudoku puzzles. Um, but it also, yeah, he was just being a baby. Oh boy. Yep. That's zero time dilemma. They did at least like close the weird loophole of like, how did Junpei forget that he saw Akane at this thing? And it's like, oh, she injected him. That's how. She injected him with mind drugs. Mind drugs. Cork is one of his uh, ex passes too. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Oh, Delta. He is not a. He is not a. He has the ability to mind. <laughs> oh, man. I just want to watch like that video right now so bad. God, of, course, I mean, of course you do. Yep. Oh, boy. That's a zero-time dilemma. We did it. We got through it. Because we we're an hour and 45 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have zero time. You get to cut some of it out when I got bit by Loki. That's like 30 seconds at most. <laughs> uh, well, if you would like more from, from this ride of a podcast, <laughs> go to seasonalamycheckup.com or sac.cool. It's where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts as well. Uh, like Seasonal Checkup and Jared Now Watch. You can find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you'd like more from Anladium, go to Anladium.com. She's got columns and reviews. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash Anime Checkup. And you can support us on Patreon, Patreon.com slash S-A-C-O-V-A. <laughs> Next time, we'll discuss something yep. cool. Because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay.